Well, again, this is Buck Benny speaking. I'm with my friend Bob. We're starting a new series that we're going to be doing some episodes on, and it's uh, Star Trek Picard. Actually, it's just called Picard. It's not even called Star Trek Picard. Uh, my prediction, and I will give you a prediction ahead of time, uh, Enterprise was originally just called Enterprise, but then it was rebranded after that when they started syndicating things into Star Trek colon Enterprise, right? I think this eventually will be Star Trek colon Picard, but right now it's called Picard. So uh, we shall see if it sticks with that over the years. Uh, anyway, um, Bob and I, Bob just watched it and we both enjoyed it. I thought he would enjoy it. I was hoping he would. Uh, and we're going to spoil the heck out of it. So watch it first because there's big spoilers here uh, in the first episode. There's lots of stuff that goes on, so we're going to talk about all of it. So this is your warning. All right. So in this show, essentially the first scene, let's talk. Let's start from the beginning and talk as we go through. Um, first thing that caught me, and I fell in love with the show right then from just the opening credits, was we hear a song by Bing Crosby being played, sung by Bing Crosby, and I'm like. Oh my gosh, I love Bing Crosby. I love Star Trek. I've never thought the two would ever collide, and here they are colliding. So so I, I, I love that. And then it goes immediately into a scene with, on the Enterprise, I assume it's done supposedly, you know, years ago uh, after the last movie. No, I guess maybe before the last movie, because, uh, spoilers again, in the last movie, Nemesis, I think it is, uh, we lose data dies in that show. So this is with Picard and data. It's probably just a dream, I think sequence or whatever that didn't really happen. But if it did happen, this is done before data dies, of course, but around the time of nemesis because they're in those uniforms and everything. So um, they're playing a, a game of poker and Picard is like stalling and things. And, and data is like, well, you know, why are you stalling? And there's this whole bit about whether he's got a data's got a tell or doesn't have a tell. It's a funny little piece. And I'm so glad they wrote that in there because it reminded you of all the poker games they've had during the series that always had a funny little piece to them. And this is a cool little thing. And, uh, and at some point towards the end of the scene, uh, data says, well, why are you stalling or whatever? And he says, uh, Picard says, because I, I don't want the game, I don't want the game to end. And I just, that was so poignant and so much what not just Picard as a character, but the actors, whenever you talk about the actors and, and doing Next Generation, they loved each other so much and they loved doing that show. And there's never been another show like it for any of the actors. 
that they that they all say to a person, you know, it was time for it to go, but they love doing it so much. They they just wanted to treasure those last times together. And I'm sure this was huge having uh, Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner together doing a scene together as Data and Picard. Um, it, the, I've certainly watched some of the interviews and things after the fact, and it's really interesting hearing them talk about each other and doing scenes together that they hadn't done in character. They've seen each other in conventions and things, but they hadn't actually done a scene together in so many years that it was really powerful to them. Um, did that scene uh, strike you as, um, I don't know, what did you think of the scene? Yeah, same. I mean, one, it was just good to see the characters again at all. Yes. And I, I, I had this impression that, like you said, they took, it was a cutout that they used from another movie uh-huh. that they brought in, I think, because now I'm trying to remember how, how aged they look, but I think they looked younger. No, though, it was definitely filmed. It was definitely new. It was a new film thing. It was new. I'm just saying when it was supposed to have taken place, timeline-wise, was back then. Yeah. But yeah, they, they I, I, both of them with computer de-aging and all that kind of stuff that they do. Um, Data definitely, I mean, and, and Spiner has said himself, he says, he was saying he never thought he could ever play Data again because he he'd physically his face and everything had changed so much. But they said it'd be okay, and so he tried it. And, you know, they did the best they could. He doesn't look like Data did from back then he's got like a white yeah. and everything but they did what they could and and uh, you got a guy to suspend that disbelief because this this whole thing this whole series and it, i don't think this is giving much away is kind of a saying goodbye to data throughout is a piece of this and uh, uh in a much more appropriate way in nemesis it's one of the things that i didn't like and i think a lot of fans didn't like was just the way that they got rid of data seemed like too cheap and easy and wasn't like he wasn't treasured enough. I mean, certainly what strikes me is like when they got rid of Nimoy, Spock character in uh, Wrath of Khan, it was a poignant scene, a well-done scene that gave him a lot of time, gave him a moment with uh, McCoy with Kirk saying goodbye with their hands against the glass and falling down with the, the funeral scene and sending off the torpedo. I mean, that was a great send off to a character in data's case. He like did something to sacrifice himself. I can't even honestly, I haven't watched it in so long. I can't even hundred percent remember what it was. I think it was like he jumped out of the ship on his own and landed on the other ship and did something to blow it up. And he blew up as well or something. Um, and it just didn't have that same resonance. This gave him a nice slow goodbye where you really get a chance to say goodbye to the character. Um, and I think if, if nothing else, Picard is great for that piece of, of Picard. Um, but I think, I just think uh, it's a very enjoyable show. The, the next piece I'll jump ahead to is when we first see, what's the character's name again? Did you say Bob? Dodge. Dodge. Okay. Dodge. When we see Dodge uh, for the first time, and she's with her boyfriend, Dodge. what was it? Lo- How do you say it? Dodge. 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 D a h j. Okay. So when you see Dodge <laughs> for the first time, <laughs> she, she's with her boyfriend, 
it's a nice little touching scene and they do a really good job of that. And then these attackers appear like kill him like right off the bat. And it's not, it's an effective killing to me in that they don't just like laser him and he disappears like in another episode of Star Trek. It could be, you know, whatever it's, it's very physical and you get the physical feel of this whole series is all physical in that they throw a knife and it sticks him in the chest and you can see the blood all over the floor. And, um, and then with her and her, her acting is so good with her, panicked i mean you can definitely empathize with her and you're like oh my gosh what would i these people attack they they killed my significant other in seconds they're trying to put a, a bag over my head thing and and then and they keep on talking about she's not activated she's not that you know be careful you don't want to activate her or something and then she all of a sudden starts fighting with the bag on her head and does, does these karate moves and all sorts of things. And there's, she's activated. She's active. I mean, that is such a cool scene. And she wipes out all three guys without ever taking, it was beautiful the way that they wrote it and everything. She takes out everybody without ever taking the bag off her head. She kills all of them are dead. And then she pulls the bag off her head. So it just shows how incredibly powerful she is or whatever. Um, and I thought that was a great scene. Uh, what did you think about that scene? Yeah, very visceral, and you don't—you kind of don't know what's going on exactly. Right. Right off the bat, you're kind of confused, and then when she gets at, like they said, they keep saying, "Don't activate her." When then she's activated, then she just wipes them out. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, fight is very, very physical. Yeah, and, and you and you feel like she must have some sort of there's some trigger that flipped in her or something because she they did a good job presenting her as just like a normal type girl just talking about what her she got a new job or something and all of that and so it makes her very seem very normal yes. and, the, and the way that she acts when they're abducting her when they're putting the hood on her and stuff makes her seem really normal too the normal way you'd react and so all of a sudden she becomes different and you can see it you can see it in her body language you can see it in everything and i um that really stood out it was really cool that they did that the other thing in this show there's like three different sort of openings you have the opening with picard and data that i talked about you also have picard then the introduction of his dog and his vineyard and and where he's at which is very similar to the to the last episode of um of of uh, next generation where you see him as on his vineyard or the episode family which was uh the episode right after uh best of both worlds from the fourth season. It was the second episode of the fourth season of star Trek next generation, which they always make a big deal about it. Having the, like the worst ratings in star Trek next generation's history. And I don't understand why, why it got the worst ratings because it followed best of both worlds. You would assume it would get a whole, I, I assume it was something else on one of the other channels. The president was speaking or something that, that sucked away audience or something. But anyway, um, cause I think it's a really good episode. I love that episode family. And he goes back to, to visit his brother and, and his brother has a vineyard and his, and, and the scenes with, I think it's a brother's son and Picard together are just these great, it's a great emotional family. He goes back to there after he's got recovered from the Borg. Right. He's recovering from yeah. the board. He's having issues with the board. His brother, he's like, I'm all right. Everything. I'm okay. I'm okay. And his brother's like challenging him. No, you're not. Okay. 
you're not you're this you're not understanding this and just the scene of Picard I think it, at one point it's raining and he's crying in the rain with his brother and he's as he's realizing he's not okay um, just a very powerful Star Trek acting scene and uh, and so there's for us as an audience for me anyway there's a tie-in with the the vineyard being in those two great episodes two of the best episodes ever in Star Trek in, in my opinion the, the very last episode of uh, of Star Trek I you remember the title of the last episode? I'm drawing a blank, but anyway. One thing I remember distinctly about is him playing poker with the whole crew. Richard. Yes. And then he says, I wish I would have done this a long time ago. Yes. And You're that, right. Something that sticks in my mind. Yep. And I, and I thought, oh, no, he's always played with them, hasn't he? I mean, it didn't strike me. And then I went back and looked, and it's like, no, he's never at their poker games. So he it's always been the poker games with – it was always Riker's poker game – that had Worf and Data and, and Troy sometimes and various combinations, but never really had Picard there. And so it was cool having Picard in a poker game. And then in this episode to do the callback to the poker game, you know, so he was trying to do the things that always tied the crews together, but it tied him to Data as well. And then on top of that, to have the vineyard piece, I just thought this is excellent writing, excellent show. I love it. And then, um, and then her whole scene adds a drama to it that and things. And then uh, after that, she goes back and uh, she has a vision of him for some reason, Picard. And so he goes over to and, and talks to Picard and tries to work it out with Picard and get his help. Uh, he does end up trying to find out more about what's going on and goes with her. And tell me if I'm leaving out a huge piece of this, but essentially they go to, to research something or find out more about it and they get attacked again and this time when she gets attacked, she takes out a bunch of guys, but there's just a ton of them. I don't know how many. They keep, yeah, they keep appearing, and Picard is really no help. They just toss him down the stairs, basically. Right, right. So the, and, 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 and there's, uh, there's got to be 15 or 20 of them that show up. I mean, she kills a whole bunch of them, but eventually they get her, and, and she's uh, her character gets destroyed, which I was sad to see because I really liked that character. Um. And then from there, where does it go after that, Bob? Or, so, well, first of all, I guess, what did you think about that scene? I thought that was a, another excellent, very visceral scene uh, of, of having her fighting all these guys and them all appearing. And and try, I think she's trying to protect Picard throughout that scene as well. So there's just lots of things going on. So there's a yeah, couple comments. One is, so when she talks about where she got hired, it was the Daystrom Institute. It's another... Yes. Another tie back to the original series, um, Dr. Daystrom, when he's in that one episode of M5. So there's that, there's that tie in. And then Picard's trying to figure out who she is. And she has a tie back to Data with the painting. There's right. Painting he called Daughter, which has her in it. Right. I can't remember if he finds that before or after she's killed. I, I really love the character, so I was sad that she got she was killed so soon because I got to expect her to be in it, but that kind of gets cleaned up at the end. Right. There's also another piece of Picard going to the Daystrom Institute and talking to the chief scientist about what they were doing with the androids. Well, that's the other piece we left out is that there was, there was that basically the Android rebellion that yeah. 
on, on, uh, on Mars, right? Yeah, like, and and so they are no longer to have, can't have any replicants. So the whole like research line that they were working on with like androids has been shut down basically. Right. But you find out there's a tie-in with Data and her. So she's looks like essentially she's Data's daughter. Yes. And uh, that whole piece, and the, and then the, the the they they do show. Do they show, or is that the next episode where they show the the Mars? Um, so it's the. Like or do the they Mars. just talk about? It? I think they just talk about it in this episode. They don't actually show the the Mars attack or anything, right? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. But they do show the Romulan reconstitution, whatever organization, whatever that is. Yes. That's the other piece, right? That, that happens right at the end, where you find out that Dodge has a sister. Right. Soji. Soji. Who's basically a dental, but doesn't know she's an right. android. Played by the same actress. Um, doing a good job of playing a different character because I actually like the, the, the Do, Doji, whatever her name is. I like her original character better than the than the second character. But, uh, you know, that's, and I think we're supposed to or whatever. So I, whatever they're doing, it's working. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just... Overall, I just think this was a solid, solid beginning piece that lays out a bunch of mysteries and a bunch of things are going on. We we get a chance to enjoy Picard, enjoy Picard and Data back together again at the beginning of the episode. Um, just a there's, wonderful. There's there's another scene with Data in there too, where it's another dream where he oh right right where he says so they're in the vineyard and. And but this is an older data, or is it the same version of data? I can't remember. I think it's. I think you know. I wish I would have paid more attention. Yeah. I think it's. I, the same. I too wish you would pay more attention. It's, it's your <laughs> job. So. <laughs> so Picard opens the blinds, and Data's out there in the vineyard painting. Oh, that's right. And he turns to Picard and says, "Do you want to finish it?" He's got the, like the brush in his hand, and then Picard looks at the picture, and that's the. Picard had it on his ball. It was one data painted called Daughter. Yes. This was the title. Yes. Which is awesome. Um, which ties into the episode of Next Generation where he created a daughter and tried to, uh, and, and she ends up dying uh, at the end. And uh, his operating on her and, and trying to save her. Um, is one of those scenes where I watch it and I think every time I see the episode, I start crying at that part because he just, it does such a good job of presenting some emotional content from a character who can't really show emotion and uh, just a brilliant end of the, the whole episode is not my favorite episode, but the end, the last 10 minutes of that episode are just insanely good. The acting and everything that goes on there. Um, so, cause and it's not even him because you can't really have him get across the emotion. So they have another char another character that's there, like an admiral or somebody that's visiting or whatever that's working on this. Describe, and, and he describes how Data was trying to save her, but she was falling apart or her... I, I can't even describe it that well, but it was like... Uh, he's, he describes Data as his, his fingers were moving so fast, you couldn't even... They were just a blur and you couldn't even see what he was doing because he was trying so hard to save her and he just couldn't do it. And uh, that's really heartbreaking. So it was cool and uh, great episode. So 
just loved, loved, loved the tie into all the different episodes for anybody who's a huge fan of Star Trek, especially of Next Generation. And if you really know your episodes, this really makes you feel like, wow, that ties everything in. I love the callback to Daystrom, which is a callback to, to the original Star Trek. Um, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't ask for more for a, a setup or a start of something than this episode was to me. Um, and, and I love that you thought the same thing, that you really enjoyed it. Um, I love that I can kind of predict. I'm kind of like, I think Bob will really like this. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I Honestly, after uh, not Jim or Jim made a comment, um, I was like, "Oh, it's going to be slow," but I didn't find it slow. I also didn't find it boring. Right, it's a, it's a different sort of setup than uh, Discovery. It's a little more like the you know the next gen. Yes, in a lot of ways. Of course, it's the same. A lot of the same characters, but. Right. Just all the intrigue that they tied into it and all the tie backs, it was great. I thought it was great. It yeah. was great to see Brent Spiner, Patrick Stewart again. Oh, I know. I know. And there's there's going to be a lot to look forward to. I mean, I won't get into what we're going to see in future episodes, but there's a lot of, of cool stuff and a lot of cool characters that come back and, and things, and ones that you wouldn't expect. And yeah, I, we'll see. We'll keep going. And then at some point, I really want us to go through episode four because I believe it's four because four really ties into discovery um, season three. And so I really want to get to that episode before we go to discovery. But at that point, if, if you, if, if we're feeling like, Oh, we'd rather switch back over to discovery and come back to Picard later, we can do that. But I think we need to get through those at least initial episodes. But if we're finding you really liking Picard, we'll just go through Picard all the way and then switch back over and do, discovery season three and who knows by the time we're done with that maybe it'll be a new season of star trek i have a feeling we're going to run out of episodes here at some point though just in that with covid it's kind of pushed production back on everything so i don't think we're getting any new shows until the fall uh of next year at best and so uh, we're probably going to get through all this but that's okay wonder what's going to happen to another one that I like that's Netflix, uh, Stranger Things. Yeah, I don't know. They're supposed to be out, and I don't know. The kids are going to be 20 before they get to the next episode. Exactly. Exactly. That's the problem when you have kids in the cast is, boy, if you if, if you can't just sort of stop for two years and pick it up because all of a sudden they're a lot older, whereas you can do that with an actor. I mean, whether an actor plays the character at – 32 or 35 doesn't make that much of a difference, but playing a character at 12 versus 17 is a huge difference. Right. So uh, that's like looking at, you know, the Harry Potter cast. Yeah. They're like, they're like little kids and they're essentially adults at the end. At the end. Yep. Yep. That's how I think, I don't know what Stranger Things got to do because they're supposed to have season three out already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great stopping point for us, so we'll end there, and uh, and we will see you folks next time for more Picard. If you haven't watched it, get up there and watch it. It is a great show on uh, Paramount Plus now instead of CBS All Access, and uh, uh, very dynamic. If you're, a f- you know, you read all this stuff and where people bash on these things or whatever, I don't care. It's just like judge it for yourself, watch it for yourself, see what you think. Um, 
I, I find more people in agreement with me that actually watch it and say these things are really good than folks that don't. So. Hey, nerds. I'm Will Wheaton. I am a lifelong Star Trek fan, a former Starfleet officer, and I am your host of The Ready Room, your official behind-the-scenes hub for all things in the Star Trek universe. This week, we will be talking about everything that went down in the series premiere of Star Trek Picard, and we will be getting very deep into spoiler territory when we do it. So if you haven't seen Remembrance yet, you probably want to go watch that first. All right, today we get to talk with the show's executive producer, Michael Chabon, and director, Honolly Culpepper. And then a little later, we will be showing you an exclusive clip from next week's episode of Star Trek Picard. But first, let's take a closer look at what Jean-Luc has been up to since we last saw him in this never-before-seen video segment. Control room, engage. I am not nervous. The past is the past. Now, much better. He is not a happy and contented man when we first meet him. He is on his vineyard in France, uh, Chateau Picard, running the vineyard, growing grapes and making wine. Jean-Luc's had a very significant falling out with Starfleet. It happened over the events on Mars. In the backstory for our series, we take as a springboard the idea of the Romulan supernova. The Romulans asked for our help. And I believed we had a profound obligation to give it. We then postulate that a fleet is being built to rescue the Romulans, and Picard is in charge of that mission. A logistical feat more ambitious than the pyramids. The pyramids were a symbol of colossal vanity. If you want to look for historical analogy, Dunkirk. A Starfleet was engaged to help facilitate this mass evacuation of refugees, and that was brought under the supervision and direction of now Admiral Jean-Luc Picard, um, who stepped up to take on this massive task. During that rescue, at the front end of that rescue, the Utopia Planitia shipyards on Mars, um, where the rescue fleet is actually being constructed, is attacked from inside by synthetic workers. 92,143 lives were lost, which led to a ban on synthetics. Yes. In the wake of this terrible tragedy, many of the member worlds of the Federation said, we don't have the resources to continue this. And so they decided to pull out. Picard makes a stand to continue the rescue, uh, threatens to resign. The Federation understood there were millions of lives at stake. Romulan lives. No lives. But the Federation is unwilling to spend the resources to rebuild the fleet. Uh, there was political opposition against helping the old enemies anyway. Many felt there were better uses for our resources than aiding the Federation's oldest enemy. But rescue is abandoned, many Romulans are left displaced, and Picard is separated from Starfleet. And I was not prepared to stand by and be a spectator. It was a kind of calculated ploy on his part to try to force them to, to, to stick with the plan, and it failed. And they accepted his resignation, and then he was no longer uh, part of Starfleet. Tell us, Admiral, why did you really quit Starfleet? 
because it was no longer Starfleet. I'm sorry? Because it was no longer Starfleet. That was the ending of his time in the Federation, and when he spent the last 10, 15 years since then, as he says, nursing his offended dignity and trying to acclimate to a life that he never really wanted, but always was told he was supposed to have, which was to be a vintner back on the chateau. There is no legacy as rich as honesty. He's in a state of feeling like his life's work is never going to be complete, when along comes this young woman that changes everything for him and puts him back in the fight. For today's interview, I am sitting down with executive producer and showrunner Michael Shabon and director Hanalee Culpepper uh, to talk about the series premiere in extraordinary detail. Um, you're both really influential in the direction of Star Trek right now. You told me that your, your Star Trek was Next Generation mm -hmm. and the show is inspired by Next Generation but is clearly its own thing. Um, the pilot director gets to establish a ton of stuff about the direction of the series. Do you feel like sharing with us some of the things that you that you chose to establish in uh, in, in Picard? Mm -hmm. uh, well, what I I really wanted to honor his character and who he was, and um, and also wanted this show to feel different from Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm. And so when I came in and talked to him about my vision for it. Um, I saw it as different colors because uh, Discovery uses a lot of cool colors and blues and purples and I wanted this to be warmer. I was kind of felt like I was inspired by the colors of the vineyard and so mm -hmm. I saw reds and, and greens and yellows and oranges and stuff. Picard feels really haunted to me. Mm -hmm. He feels like a man who is unsettled where he is surrounded by mm -hmm. people who clearly love him mm -hmm. in a place where he has everything he wants but he's so unsettled. Mm -hmm. And that seems to motivate like every breath he takes. Right. Did you talk about that with Patrick? You guys had tons of conversations with him about that. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, Patrick was <laughs> was there from the beginning. Yeah. Right? And there so, is no show without Patrick. Yeah. I mean, he, he defines it. He tells the story of an original pitch that he was like, listen, I think it's great that you want to do this, but I'm not into it. And then he tells this other story of you coming back and, you know, of, of, of writers coming to him and saying, listen, here's how we think we're going to do it. Were you part of that? Did you have to, did you have to pitch Patrick? Uh, well, I, when I first joined, um, at that point, it was Alex Kurtzman, Akiva Goldsman, and Kirsten Beyer. And um, they had come up with some ideas and thoughts and a possible way the show, show could be. Um, and that's what they took to him initially, and that was the time that he said, you know, looks cool, but I'm not interested. Thank you. And um, in somewhere right in there, I got asked if I would want to join, and it seemed like no sooner had I said, yes, I'd love to try to help you guys, than it was like, oh, sorry, you know, we went, and, oh, what and he's bummer. not interested. I and hope it works out for you. Exactly. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, well, just... I had already had some thoughts, and I just, I went, actually, I live in Berkeley, so I came down, I heard the bad news, I went back up to Berkeley, and I was just like, I'm just gonna, I had these thoughts, and I wrote a document. Yeah. It turned out to be like a 32-page Oh, I thought it was 60. Document. No. <laughs> Again, no, and like, it gets bigger and bigger. It was a 400-page That's 400 that writer thing, right? Where document. you're just like, I've got to get it out of my head. I can't do the work I'm supposed to do until I get this thing I want to do out of my head. Right, exactly. And I just, I, I just wanted to almost... For myself, see if I yeah. was right that it could work in this way. So I wrote this document, and then they, uh, Akiva and Alex took it 
to him and he read it. And, um, you know, I just really tried to show, in hindsight, because none of, nothing that was in that document is on the show. Like, the whole thing was thrown out, yeah. like, immediately. But clearly was an important part of the genesis well, I was trying of, to of the show. Um, just show what a serious, um, thoughtful show about a man in his, if you're talking about Picard, a man in his early 90s yeah. um, uh, who goes out into space, what would that be like? What would it feel like that it would be to try to set up, create a tone that he might recognize as more in line with the, to get him at least to stop imagining that it was going to be like TNG again or yeah. something. And um, I think, and so on that level it worked. It was like a proof of concept more than anything else for us to sort of say like, we, we take you seriously, we hear what you're saying, we, that's what we want to do too. And so then he agreed to do it. But like I said, we threw that one out. My memories are 27 years old at this point, but I remember every time I was in a scene with Patrick, it made me better, made me work harder. Mm -hmm. He made me a better actor because I didn't want to let him down. Mm -hmm. Now, you are both at the absolute top of your game. You are far better at what you are doing now than I was doing what I was doing then. But I wonder if you felt something similar to that, does, did you get, does he still do that? Does he still bring that to the set? Well, first of all, when you find out you're working with Patrick Stewart, you have to bring your A-plus game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for so, real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I definitely, like, I still remember my first rehearsal with him, and I prepped really hard for it, and I felt like it went really well. And then he sent me an email that night. It's like, Connelly, I'd like to talk to you about the rehearsal. So the whole night I was like, oh, I felt man. like the kid whose parent was like, when I get home, we're yeah. going to have a talk. Yeah. And so I was so nervous. And then the next day he was like, I just was thinking that maybe we could do you know, something different. And I was like, phew. Let's talk about the episode in a little bit of detail. Um, I think it is the coolest thing in the world that you start the entire series on the Enterprise D. Um, uh, I told my wife that I'm one of a few dozen people who would react to that in a very particular way. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes around, then I said to her, like, oh, I can see my house from here, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and here it comes, and it's, it is, it goes from being this moment of this is cool to, oh, I'm gonna, it's here it comes, I'm gonna start crying. Mm -hmm. And then you push into 10 forward and Data is there. Mm -hmm. And he's playing poker with Picard mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I promise you, everyone who loved Next Generation just mm -hmm. melts mm -hmm. in, that, yeah. in that moment. Because we start our series where the Next Generation ended with him playing poker. I just think it's like, it's, it's so awesome, mm -hmm. it's and so the nostalgia cool. that it provokes for you. And it starts with the ship in space, which is how the next generation always started. And that Picard's yeah. line where he's like, I don't want the game to yeah. be over, and I was like, I don't want it to be <laughs> over either! Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I am, I am uh, a pit bull advocate. I have two rescue pit bulls in my life. They're great. My wife works at the Pasadena Humane Society. We are crazy about rescue animals. I love the character of Number One. <laughs> I love his dog. And I found out that Number One is a rescue animal. Mm -hmm. 
Um, would you just talk a little bit about oh my about, about yeah. working about working with this dog? The neuro was and, very green. You know, they yeah. say don't work with animals, and especially don't work with green animals. Mm -hmm. yeah. to, uh, De Niro was a challenge sometimes, but super super sweet. And I think yeah, he was yeah. the sweetest dog. Yeah, he very was nice. not a great yeah. actor. De, De Niro. De Niro. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I mean, his what yeah. you see on screen, he we got a good yes. performance out of him, but he but was he De Niro was. got there were a few more scenes that were supposed to have yeah. number one that mm -hmm. we both agreed. Let's leave yeah. the dog out. For that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you chose to name him number one because it tells us so much about Picard uh, that he that he named him that. When was that choice made? Pretty early on, from, from uh, as soon as the first draft was getting written, I think it appeared at that point. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's meant to be sort of it, it's an Easter egg and it's cute and charming, but at the same time, there's something also kind of poignant about it. There, to me, at least, there's yeah. you know, he's not on, he doesn't have a number one. Th those days are behind him. The, you know, Riker's long gone in yeah. his life, and um, there's almost something sort of touching that he's sort of trying to recreate in the form of a dog, which is not a bad thing to try to do. Sure. So much that he lost, so much that he's left behind. He seems to live in the shadow of loss. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the loss of his friend, the loss of his commission, the loss of his position within Starfleet. And it seems to motivate a, a lot that goes on around him. And he has these two companions, these two Romulans who live with him, and they have to deal with that. And um, uh, uh, I, I would love to hear a little bit about where they came from and, and narratively what they mean to him and what they're gonna mean to the audience as the series goes forward. Mm. Well, um, I mean, for I think, for one thing, you know, we have we have a, we had a job to do as writers, um, which was to account for and to let viewers know what Picard's been up to since the last time they saw him, mm -hmm. and um, you know, the 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 way you really don't want to do that is through some kind of info dump or by having people talk a whole lot about everything that's happened in the intervening period, and the way that you do ideally want to try to do that is by just finding quick visual shorthand ways to just let the viewer know like this is different. Here's a change that you can see right away. So, you know, to have two Romulans working on Picard's staff, on his household staff, working yeah. for him at the Chateau. Um, uh, Which is another great callback, by the way. The Chateau, Chateau I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, we, yeah. Some things just felt like, of course, yeah. we yeah. have, we have yeah. to do that. Um, that was one of them. But to just, you know, so at first it's like a, if you know anything about the show, and this is the other thing, is that we, we're always making this show for the people who, when they see Romulans on Picard's, you know, at the Chateau, yeah. are gonna be like, what? What are Romulans doing in Picard's Chateau? And then they're gonna be people saying, what are Romulans? Right? Or are those yeah. Vulcans? Or so that's my wife. My wife is not a Star Trek fan. We made this show for her and you. I She's guess. crazy about it. 
Um, I said, so I'm, I'm gonna be watching Picard because I'm doing Ready Room. Do you wanna watch the show with me? I'd love to watch the show with you. So we sat down to watch episode one. Uh, we've watched a lot further than episode one. And she's like, when's the next one? When are we watching the next one? She loves it. So mission accomplished. Um, I only have time for one of these many questions I have for you, uh, but it's important to me. Picard's personal archive um, could have been a a bunch of throwaway Easter eggs to like sort of like earn Star Trek cred. But I noticed a choice. Mm -hmm. The Captain Picard Day banner is in there. That was my favorite one. Now I remember that Captain Picard hated Captain Picard Day. Mm -hmm. And it says so much about him that, that he kept it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I just want you to talk about that choice. Mm. <laughs> I think technically the choice was in the script, I believe. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like it just kind of says a lot about his character's growth and the things he's come to value. And what's so great is that only Patrick Stewart could pull off that character who could be so grumpy around kids mm -hmm. and so hate this this day that the kids are honoring him yeah. um, and pull it off and make us love him even more because of it. And so, I don't know, it felt like very poignant to me that it was ultimately special to him that he had to have it. And so I was like, must make sure we get that in. Because, you know, when you choose what your camera will see, how it flows past something, mm -hmm. It can be emphasized or not, but I wanted, I, that was one of the things in there that I wanted to make sure was emphasized. Yeah, and it, I mean, it ties in, to me, directly to the finale of TNG in that what that is about, among many other things, that last moment when he says, you know, I should have done this a lot yeah. sooner, is a missed opportunity, right? Yeah. Like, like he realizes in that moment, like all these years, I could have been doing this and I missed that opportunity. And... The same thing, you know, in a much smaller, less intimate way with that banner. That, mm -hmm. in hindsight, he might look at that banner and think, you know, actually, maybe that wasn't such a bad day. Yeah, and they <laughs> should, you know, I should have appreciated it for what it was at the time, and it was a missed opportunity. So, you know, you, as you get older, you you tend to look back on a lot of the things you've done, even small things like that. And yeah. in Picard's case, there are a lot of big things too, and think like, you know, I, I shouldn't have done it that way, or if I could go back, I would apologize when I didn't apologize or, yeah. or or help somebody when I said I was too busy to help them or whatever it was. And I think for that's a little one, but it's it still is made out of the same materials. Um, I want to thank you both for choosing to spend some time with us today. And on behalf of the audience and all of us associated with Star Trek, thank you. Thank you. This you is yeah. the thank beginning you. of an absolutely incredible adventure. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited. <laughs> No legacy is rich as honesty. <laughs> Who said that, number one? Don't boldly go anywhere. Stay tuned for the answer. The main title sequence for Star Trek Picard is incredibly beautiful, and I am extremely excited to share with you this behind-the-scenes look at the recording session for the new main theme with composer extraordinaire Jeff Russo. Check it out. When I first started sitting down to write the main title, I went through a lot of different iterations in my mind. But the moment I sat down and played this one melody that is sort of pervasive in the, in the main title, I sort of knew, I was like, okay, this is now what I think the, the theme for Picard is, the melody that will sort of go along with Jean-Luc Picard throughout the series and in the main title and all this stuff. One, two, three.
felt a little different. Right, okay, that's right. Once I, once I had that, then it was just a question of trying to fashion it in a way that felt right for the show. So what I, what I want to get from that, that part, and then, and then again, Alan, when the, when the, um, the horns join in, in, in 12 and 13, is to try to lay that back. Da, 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 da. I really just want to try to have that be as uh, laid back in the bar line as we can. What I was thinking about the theme and how to evoke all of the things, all of the feels that I wanted to evoke for, for the fans and for me and for telling the story um, sort of takes it on a journey. Um, and at the beginning, I sort of nod to that flute. Well, I wanted to use a Rosecchian flute that doesn't really exist in the world, so I've decided to use a piccolo flute, which does sort of the same thing that Jean-Luc Picard's flute did in The Inner Light. I give a nod to that flute because I feel like that's the past. We really feel like that's where um, Jean-Luc Picard was and how he has transitioned from that to now Admiral and now, now he's on a different journey. So what I wanted to do is at the beginning sort of nod to that and then change to a feeling of um, a feeling of emotional contentment for him because as you as as we come to see he lives on a chateau and and it's sort of what we always thought would happen at the end of the next generation and in those movies where he would always sort of end up in a that was his happy place. And then I wanted to really sort of evoke how he has been awoken again because he realizes that there is the potential for a reconnection with, with Data, who has been dead a long time, um, but with the discovery of Data might have kin, that that sort of sets him on a new journey and wanting to figure out how to unravel that mystery. And then I wanted there to be some re resolve and resolution and sort of always remembering where he was. So I bring back the flute at the end. Was it A, Aristotle, B, William Shakespeare, C, Abraham Lincoln, or D, Mark Twain? And the answer is B, William Shakespeare. The quote in question came from Shakespeare's play, All's Well That Ends Well, a line delivered by the character Mariana to Diana. Of course the answer was William Shakespeare. How could the answer not be William Shakespeare? We're talking about Captain Jean-Luc Picard here, the Shakespeareous officer in Starfleet. All right, for everyone who got it right, you get to see an exclusive, never-before-seen clip from the next episode of Star Trek Picard, Maps and Legends, which drops Thursday, January 30th. For everyone who got the answer wrong, I'm just gonna have to ask you to look away. Honor system.
Thank you so much for joining us here in the Ready Room. I will be back next week with executive producer Akiva Goldsman to talk about episode two, Maps and Legends. I'm Will Wheaton. Until next time, live long and prosper. <laughs>